So over the last uh, five weeks, we've been looking at the culture of Jubilee Church. And so far, we've looked at honour, receiving and releasing people according to how God sees them, courage, encouraging and celebrating risk-taking faith, authenticity, living transparently and truthfully without shame. And if you haven't caught up on the series, I, I want to strongly encourage you uh, to download the talks and listen because they're very important for us as a church at the moment. It's how we're going to do church, it's how we're building church. And if you are a part of this church, you want to know what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. Okay, so I want to encourage you to listen to those talks if you hadn't already. Well, today we want to talk about passion, pursuing God and his kingdom wholeheartedly without inhibition. Passion. Now, Henry Ford had it. He said one day, he says, I want every American to own their own car. He went bankrupt four times in the process, but he managed to achieve that goal. Thomas Edison had it when he succeeded in making the world's first commercially produced light bulb, although along the way there were a thousand unsuccessful attempts at making that light bulb. He was asked one day, he said, uh, how did it feel to fail a thousand times before you succeeded? It's a great question, isn't it? And his reply, he says, I didn't fail a thousand times. It's just that the light bulb was an invention with a thousand steps. I've got to say, that's passion. That's passion. Winston Churchill had it when he rallied a nation to defeat an enemy which threatened the world. We shall never give up, he said. We shall go on to the end. We shall never surrender. I thought it was quite good. I've been practicing that. <laughs> Bill Gates had it. Nearly 40 years ago now, he started Microsoft. And uh, he had a dream of a, a computer on every desk in every home, which was ludicrous to people at the time. Passion. Passion is what, what motivates us in life. Passion drives us to conquer. Passion gives us power to overcome difficulties. Passion is the reason you get up in the morning and say, I'm going to do something with my life today. Without passion, life becomes boring, it becomes monotonous, it becomes routine, it becomes dull. Passion is the creative force behind every great invention, all art, all great charm, drama, all great music, all great architecture, all great writing. Nothing great is ever accomplished in life without passion. Nothing great is ever sustained in life without passion. It becomes routine. It becomes dull. God created you with the emotions to have passion, and he wants you to live a passionate life. Passion is what mobilizes social change. Passion is what causes explorers to boldly go where no man's gone before. Passion is what gives scientists the energy to stay up late all night trying to find 
the next cure. Passion is what takes a good athlete and turns them into a great athlete where they're breaking records. You've got to have passion in your life if you want to make stuff happen. Stuff that would simply never happen without it. Do you have passion? I want us to have passion. That's just been the prophetic message that's come through the worship today. God's challenging us about passion. Are you passionate for God? Are you still passionate for God? Are you thirsty for him? I just want to pray. I just feel like we need to pause for a moment. It's just a quite amazing prophetic encounter that we had there at the end of worship. Let's just bathe in that for a moment as the rain falls on the outside of the building right now. Jesus, would you just release a great passion bomb amongst us today? Would you wake up our hearts where we need to be awoken? Would you stir us where we need to be stirred? Would you blow on fire that's getting a little bit low and a bit dim, Lord? Would you blow on us? Lord, as we talk about passion, would you do passion with us? Holy Spirit, will you just come right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So what is passion? Well, the Oxford Dictionary defines it as a strong and barely controllable emotion. Have you got passion? <laughs> a strong and barely controllable emotion. Passion is about emotion. It's about expressing on the outside what is happening on the inside. And sometimes when stuff on the inside isn't so great, we really don't want that to come out on the outside, do we? Uh, but that's what passion is expressing on the outside, what's happening on the inside. It involves connecting the heart with our emotions. Passion has to be expressed to be seen, felt to be experienced. But it doesn't mean that passion is about a particular type of personality. I mean, some people are naturally more expressive than others, but it doesn't mean they're passionate. Passion's got power to it. It's got substance to it, but not necessarily exuberance. Neither is passion about age. I mean, the, the energy and optimism of younger people doesn't necessarily equate to passion. Actually, some of the most passionate people in my life are my mum and dad. They're in their 70s and they're still saying, come on, God, we want to see a move. want to see a move of God. Let's go somewhere where God's moving. My granddad... Uh, is one of the most passionate men I've ever known. In his 80s, he was in the hospice and he was dying and in the process led two of the nurses to the Lord. They prayed the sinner's prayer just before he died. So urgent was the gospel in his heart. He was an evangelist. It's nothing to do with age. And it's not to do with a whole lot of hype either. Passion isn't about hype I mean, for a start, if we were going for that, it conflicts with our culture of authenticity. We want to be real. It's not about hyping things up. God's quite big enough without us trying to hype him up. 
Because, of course, when we're talking about passion as a cultural norm for Jubilee Church, we're not talking about a passion for rock climbing or gardening or bird watching or any of the other passion for search results that came up in Google earlier this week. Oh, my goodness. You would be amazed at some of the things people have got passion for, but I won't go there. We're not talking about that kind of passion. (laughs) Yeah, okay, I'll leave it there. We're talking about a passion for God and his kingdom. God wants us to be passionate about that. So what does it mean to have a culture of passion? Well, it's about a a genuine commitment to building a community of people who love God deeply and motivated by this love find ways to extend the good news of his kingdom to people everywhere. That's what it's about. It's about taking the gospel to the ends of the earth and to the people next door. (laughs) And it's done with the full expectation of signs and wonders and miracles, both here on a Sunday, but also on the streets and the school gate and the workplace and in the supermarket queue. That's passion. Can't stay in. It's got to just come out. This is passion when we begin to grasp the fact that Jesus really is good news for everyone. And when we want to tell everybody and that in so doing we extend the kingdom. Are you passionate about Jesus? Are you passionate about his kingdom? Because you know at the root of a culture of passion is the gospel openly proclaimed and demonstrated. You know, passionate Christians are not secret Christians. It's the main reason why we're still alive, you know, because otherwise Jesus would take us straight to heaven when we were saved. We're alive because people need to hear the gospel. Amen? As we look around, we see people who are struggling to find meaning and purpose in their lives. There's people who are struggling with guilt, struggling with fear, depression and hopelessness and so on and not sharing the gospel with them is a bit like if you were lost in the desert with a group of your friends, you came across water but you didn't tell them about it, you just had it for yourself. Or imagine if Sir Alexander Fleming, another man with passion, when he discovered penicillin, he only told a few people. In fact, he only told a few friends and some of his family. How would you feel about that? The gospel is the only known cure for the rot that's destroying our world. Convinced of this, we need to tell people boldly and without compromise, passionately. Are you passionate? Are you still passionate? You know, people say when you get saved, first of all, you get very passionate, but it soon kind of dies off. Why? Why? Where does this passion come from? You know, what can motivate us to live in this way? Well, I think it comes from love. And the text I want to base this talk in, it is, this cultural aspect in, is, is in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. It's going to come up on the screen there, a very well-known verse. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your 
soul and with all your mind and with all, all your strength. I want to suggest to you that obeying that commandment takes passion. You know, one day a man walks up to Jesus and he says, Lord, what is the most important thing in the Bible? And Jesus says, I want you to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Nothing matters more than that. That's the number one thing in life. I want you to love me passionately. That's the most important thing in the Bible, Jesus says. Nothing else matters in life if you don't love God passionately. God doesn't want you to love him half-heartedly. He wants you to love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That takes passion. That takes passion. I love the paraphrase of that verse, this verse here, Mark 12:30 from the message. Jesus says, love the Lord God with all your passion and prayer and the intelligence of your mind and energy. Underline the word passion. Passion, that word passion is the Greek word meaning heart. Passion is a heart thing. God is saying, I want you to put some muscle into it. So I want you to go deep. I want you to put some energy, some emotion into your relationship with me. Don't be half-hearted about your relationship with me. Don't be lukewarm. Don't be lackluster. Don't be, oh, we've done this before. We've heard this before. Don't be. With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything that's within you, that takes everything to love God with. Do you love him like that? You know, this truth about loving God hmm, is throughout the whole Bible. The Bible tells us we're to seek God passionately, we're to love God passionately, we're to serve him, we're to obey him passionately, we're to trust God passionately with everything within us, with all of our heart, with all of our emotions, with all of our energy. That's what it means. Everything. He wants everything. And then if you didn't get the message, in Colossians 3.23, Paul writes, whatever you do, whatever you do, just think about whatever means. Whatever you do, do it with all of your heart as unto the Lord, not unto men. Whatever you do. He says, I want you to do everything passionately when it comes to loving me, serving me, living for me. Everything. I want everything. I mean, can you see, if you, if you were loving God like this, if you were this passionate about him, how easily it would spill out to the world. causing us to live passionately for God and his kingdom. How easily it would happen if we were loving him, if we were obsessed with him like that. Do you remember the time you first fell in love? (laughs) The obsession, the energy, the stay up late. Time didn't matter anymore. Travel anywhere, do anything. Are you passionate about God like that? Which is why in the same interchange between Jesus and the man in Mark chapter 12, it flips so easily into the second most important thing in the Bible. Jesus says, I want you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. (laughs) Well, if you're in love with Jesus like that, if you've got that kind of relationship, loving somebody else just pours out. 
It's kind of an outpouring of that passion. To love your neighbor, to love the man on the street that we were hearing about earlier. It's not a hardship. But this love for God, this, this passion, this obsession. Do you know what? This is the amazing thing. It doesn't start with me. It doesn't start with you. This love doesn't start with you. This isn't something that we can work up. You know, you can say, oh, I've heard this amazing preach today and, and the, the voice thundered. <laughs> now I'm going to stir myself up and make myself a whole lot more passionate. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stir it up. It doesn't start with you. You cannot do this. It doesn't work like that. You know, falling in love with an invisible being is actually a much bigger miracle than that. I love it. I, I was sitting down chapter a little while ago, just sort of recently got baptized, became a Christian, and I said, look, what's your feedback? I want to know what you think about church when you come to church. I said, well, do you know what? You talk an awful lot about how much God loves you. But the most amazing thing for me is that I love God. I mean, how did that happen? How did I fall in love with a supernatural being that's invisible? I know that I'm actually in love with him. How did that happen? That's a greater miracle for me. We need to hear that, people. We love, the Bible says in 1 John 4:19, we love because he first loved us. It comes from a revelation of the love, the love that caused God, who so loved the world to send his only son, to die for us. It's a revelation. It's a revelation of his love. We need a revelation. We can't just stir it up. You can't make yourself love God. It's got to be a revelation. We love because he first loved me. So the only deficit is, do I know the love of God? Do I know his love for me? Do I know what it means, the cost that he paid? Am I... Am I aware of that? Have I had that revelation? God, if you get a hang of him, if you get an iota of that love, you'll find out something. You'll find out that God is a very passionate God. Did you know that God is passionate? That he's passionate for you? He's, he's jealous, actually, for us. That's what it says in the Old Testament. It's actually what inspired the command to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and not to have any other gods but him. That's what inspired it. He's a jealous God. He says, I'm jealous for you. He says, you're the apple of my eye. I want all your attention. I want all of your affection. I want all of you. Oh, how he loves us. Have we had a revelation of that love? Do you know how much God loves you? You need to know that to be passionate in love for him. Because we love because he first loved us. So unsurprisingly, the root of our passion and our culture is love. It's being loved by God. You know, I love him 
I love God. And I also love other people. And because of my love for other people, I want them to know the gospel. It's the most loving thing I could ever offer to anybody. I could give them money, that would help for a bit. But actually to know that God loves you is the most important truth for the loneliness that's in the world today. So how will we know if this aspect of our culture is working, whether we're passionate? What are some of the expected outcomes of this culture working out at Jubilee? There are all kinds of ways of expressing this passion. And actually it is about expression. There needs to be expression of passion. There's more than I can say here, actually, but there are three obvious ones to get you started. I think the first and, and the easiest one, if you like to, to get a hang on, is the expression of worship. If we're passionate for God, we worship him. It's an expression of the heart. And Julian prophesied, Julian Adams is a, uh, a South African prophet who came to the church this time last year, and he prophesied about this church being characterized by outrageous worship. Or as I've talked about it, breaking the alabaster box. This is about uninhibited extravagance in the expression of praise and worship in our gatherings. It means putting some heart into it. It means putting some emotion into it. We're okay if people cry, you know, in worship. We're okay if they laugh. We're okay if they shout, you know, and express Worship uninhibited, and I think there's more that we can do. There's more places we can go in this. You know, sometimes it is about loud declarations, stirring ourselves. We often encourage people from the front, come on, let's, let's go for it. We need to encourage ourselves sometimes. Sometimes it is about loud declarations, stirring ourselves in proclamations of praise. Sometimes it's about dancing. You know, I am not the world's greatest dancer. You know, dad dancing, I made that up, I invented it. (laughs) But sometimes it gets to my feet and I can't keep still. And I just don't care what you think. (laughs) Because I'm just so passionate for God. It's about artistic creativity. You know, David, he danced before the Lord and he disgraced himself in the eyes of his wife. And we don't want to be like that with one another as people express their love for God. We don't want to be like Michael and despise them in our hearts without inhibition. Other times it's about quietness, it's about stillness and awe. I mean, we got there this morning, didn't we? We didn't know quite what to do next. And when we were at our Life Groups Together meeting this week, you didn't know whether to go on to the next thing because the, the stillness and the awe of God, the glory of God was amongst us. That's okay with me. It's okay to wait to see what God wants to do. That's what we want to be like, learning how to follow his presence, learning how to be led by the Holy Spirit, pro- prioritizing his program over ours. I love what Becky Webb's doing and the kids' work at the moment. She's using this phrase and saying it's presence over programs. That's what's most important. Sometimes that means you jack the program because the presence of God is there. 
following the presence. It's also about spiritual gifts, which is how we build up the church. We use gifts to build up the church, to encourage one another. It's freedom to express and use these gifts, stepping out, taking risks, and celebrating the courage it takes for this. It takes courage to step out. So it's about worship, it's about expressions of love. If at the root of passion is love, then obviously there's got to be love expressed somewhere. Well, there's a whole load of verses. Be kind and affectionate to one another. Ephesians 4.32. But also it's about loving one another deeply from the heart. 1 Peter 1.22. But loving, not just in word or talk, but also in deed and love. 1 John 3.18 This is what a passionate community does. Love that is both spoken and done. Practical acts that demonstrate love. You know, there are so many, they're already going on in the church. I, I get the privilege of hearing and seeing rumors of great acts of love being done all over the church. It's one of my favorite things about church. Now, I hear about gifts appearing on people's doorsteps, of money being put through letterboxes, and nobody's got any idea where it's come from. A need has been shared, and suddenly it's met by somebody else. I love that. Or there's a lift that's needed, it's time being spent, it's a text being sent, it's prayers being given. And it's not just going on within the church, but also in our community. So, for example, in our toddler group, Uh, parents there have also been given meals and been totally blown away by it. What, you're going to give me a meal? Yeah, we're going to look after you for the next six weeks so you don't need to worry about it. Isn't that amazing? I've heard about gifts of furniture being given to people in our community as well. (laughs) And it's just a need that's been met because somebody's got something that somebody else needs. And they said, what, really, us? Uh, A load of the mums went out uh, this week uh, the toddler group mums and uh, somebody couldn't afford to go so everybody wants to pay for that person to go <laughs> that person didn't want to go on that basis but that's okay I love that, don't you? that's love, practically food being given to food banks babysitting done for neighbours it's not only saying but doing love in a culture of passion and thirdly expressions of generosity You know, you can tell what is most important to someone by what they choose to give their time to and spend their money on. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a heart issue. And passion, as we've seen, is all about the heart. Seek first the kingdom of God. Prioritize that. Commit to it, because there's no doubt about it. Building the church and advancing God's kingdom takes time, commitment, and money. It's just the realities. You know, in a culture of passion, we find a committed community of people. And I know it's not just about the meetings, okay? It's not just about the meetings. That's not just how we show commitment. But let me ask you, when the church comes together to pray... What's your attitude in that? What's your commitment? What's your priority in that? When somebody needs help or is in financial need, are you there? Do you dig deep? 
when we do outreach or as an opportunity to sell somebody about Jesus, are you generous with your time? Are you prepared to pay the cost of courage? Because in a culture of passion, we do that kind of stuff. We pray together. We support one another. We look out for one another. We tell people about Jesus. Let me just conclude with these words. I want us to be a passionate church. I want us to be expressive. That's what we're going for. But here's the crazy thing. In the UK, it's okay to be passionate about anything except God. Increasingly so. It's just not politically correct to be passionate about God. You can be passionate about films. You can be passionate about sport, politics. You can even be passionate about clothes or food. But I cannot be passionate about God. That's just not acceptable. You know, to be passionate about God or to say that you love him is to be at risk of the accusation of being called crazy a fanatic, or even a fundamentalist. You know, as our laws are going at the moment, laws that are on the statute books right now could put us at risk in the future of legal sanctions for being passionate about our faith. That's the way it could be going. Well, let me ask you, are you at risk of such an accusation? Are you willing to be? Or I've heard people say, even in church, you don't want to get too emotional about your faith. <clears throat> you don't want to get too emotional. You put people off. No, just be cool. You don't want people to feel awkward or embarrassed. I've tried cool. I can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> this is me. And do you know, the root of this is that actually some people are actually afraid of emotion. We're actually afraid of our emotions. We're certainly afraid of expressing them. And I've just got to say, well, how aware of his love are you exactly? How much do you really get about forgiveness? Because this is what makes us passionate. This is what even gets us a bit emotional at times. So I just want to finish with the challenge that has already been brought to us prophetically this morning. And we didn't arrange that. It's just kind of the way God's taking it. I think God is asking us about how passionate are we? How thirsty are we? How much do we long for him? Do we want the rain? Are you as, are you more passionate for God today than you were a year ago? Just say it like that. Are you more passionate for God today than you were a year ago? Do you love God? Do you love people? Do you love people more now than you did a year ago? It's an outworking of His love, so. Or maybe you've lost your first love. 
one of the most frightening passages for me, and there's lots of frightening ones in the book of Revelation, but one of the ones that has always sparked my imagination is the one where Jesus says, I wish you were neither hot nor, I wish you were either hot or cold, because lukewarm makes me sick. <laughs> so are you hot? Are you passionate? Because that's what we're going for. Amen.